Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. I'm a Georgia Tech grad and a Louisville fan. He's Mike McDaniel. He is a Virginia Tech grad and a Notre Dame fan. Mike, first question, going into 2018, Wake Forest is losing John Walford, replacing him with Kendall Hinton. Is that a problem? That's a problem. Uh, losing John Walford, already the biggest loss of 2018. Yeah, not ideal. Not ideal. I, now, to be fair, one year ago, I don't know that we would be saying anything close to that. Is that fair? That is definitely fair. Uh, talk about a 180. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John Walford, unbelievable in 2017 relative to 2016. We'll get into that here in just a second, Mike. But first of all, we were not super high on Wake Forest going into 2017. You had him at five and seven. I had him at a really optimistic seven and, or excuse me, six and six. Turns out Wake Forest had themselves at seven and five, won a bowl game, finished eight and five. Really, really impressive finish relative to what we were expecting. They had a bit of a tougher schedule. Uh, we weren't totally sure how much a couple of their wins would translate to 2017 from 2016, but top to bottom, a really top notch co- coaching job by Dave Clawson and his staff. Uh, yeah, top notch job. Uh, you know what? The thing that was really impressive about Wake Forest was John Walford. Um, the fact he threw for nearly 3,200 yards, 64% completion percentage, 29 touchdowns, six interceptions. Uh, he led the team in rushing touchdowns as well. He had 10 of them on the year. Uh, second on the team in rushing as far as uh, yards were concerned, 683 on the ground. Uh, I thought the coaching staff did an excellent job of tailoring the system to get the most out of John Walford this year. Um, a lot of run pass options were inserted into the into the offense and I thought as a result Wolford had his most effective season since he stepped campus stepped foot on campus there in Winston-Salem and he was a big reason why Wake Forest was able to win eight games win the Belk Bowl um, and have a season that was as successful as it was Um, I said five and seven you said six and six but I think it's fair to say that neither of us saw this explosion of offense from John Wolford coming yeah John Wolford in 2016 three games that he completed more than 60% of his passes. John Walford in 2017, eight games that he completed more than 60% of his passes. Um, really an impressive turnaround from him. That's It's an amazing response to what I assume was good coaching, unless you know he just was drinking Michael's secret stuff or something. I, I don't know what happened. But John Walford, uh, really the, the straw that stirred the drink for Wake Forest this year, uh, very clear the games that they pr- played really well, games they didn't play so well, very much in line with how he did. Um, so so very much a strong performance from him. Best one of the year, Mike. There, there's two games that stick out to me, the NC State win and the Texas A&M win in the bowl game. To me, I think NC State was a higher caliber of team than Texas A&M. Um, 
NC State at that point still had a lot to play for, and to beat them 30-24 to 24 on your home field late in November, I thought was a really impressive, strong win for Wake Forest uh, late in the year. Would you say that that was the win of the year, or do you prefer the win in the Belk Bowl they had over uh, Texas A&M in a true thriller of a game? Yeah, I mean, I think that NC State win is the win. Um, I don't think there really is a close second, to be honest with you. Uh, that was a phenomenal victory for Wake Forest. Got them to seven wins, like you mentioned. The Belk Bowl was exciting. Um, I, I think you and I will both agree that overall, NC State is a much better team than Texas A&M was. So I think that win is more impressive. But hey, to get your eighth win in the Belk Bowl and take another step forward under Dave Clawson, I think it's huge for the program. So you could argue that as well. I would tell you that I thought the game that they played against Texas A&M, you know, 55-52 in a bowl game. I mean, it was like 35-28 at halftime or something. I mean, there was fireworks left and right. That was one of the 10 or 15 most fun games all year and across all of college football. So not to take anything away from that game, but again, I think NC State probably just a higher caliber of team, a really solid win, a, a good feather in the cap for Dave Clawson, uh, what, what they were able to do there in late November. Worst loss, Mike, I think there's two candidates that come to my mind again, uh, one being the last week of the year lost to Duke, 31-23, um, a Duke team that was fighting for bowl eligibility, Wake Forest was 7-4 and four at that point, I think at least evenly matched in talent. Would have really liked to see them win that game. The other game to me that was a little bit iffy, just knowing how they finished, was a 38-24 loss to Georgia Tech. Although I think Georgia Tech had a pretty high ceiling, was probably a little more talented than Wake Forest was. Um, it just, it's a little bit of a black spot with the fact that Tech missed a bowl game. Um, but realistically, I, I think the Duke loss probably a little bit tougher to stomach, especially for a lot of Steeman Deacons fans. Duke loss was definitely brutal. Um, there were questions there as to whether or not Duke was going to make a bowl game. They made a bowl game. They ended up winning their bowl game. And the fact that they were able to get to a bowl game was complete courtesy of Wake Forest. Uh, I think that's the worst loss for Wake. Uh, Duke was kind of floundering offensively all year because Daniel Jones was so inconsistent. The fact that you know they weren't able to close out the regular season on a high note after two pretty impressive wins, putting up 64 points on the road at Syracuse and then beating NC State like we mentioned. The fact that they had a letdown a week later uh, takes a little bit of shine uh, off of the regular season for Wake. It could have been a nine-win season. They could have had that Duke win to make it eight, and that Texas A&M win to make it nine. Uh, ultimately, they lose to Duke in what I believe is their worst loss of the year. You mentioned the Georgia Tech loss. I tend to agree with you there, but I think if I had to pick the second closest um, as far as like a worst loss was concerned, I think Florida State uh, on September 30th is right up there. You lose that game 26 to 19. It was Florida State's first victory of the season because of all the hurricane craziness. Uh, they had lost DeAndre Francois. It was clear that from there on, their team just kind of rolled over and they didn't really want to play for Jimbo Fisher. It wasn't all that evident in September as it was maybe later in the year. But for all the talent that Florida State had, I thought Wake Forest overall was a much better team in 2017. So I think if you had to pick a second loss, um, as far as a worse loss is concerned, I think Florida State would have to be it right after Duke. At the very least, I would say that Florida State, Clemson, Notre Dame all had Wake Forest outgunned talent-wise. But, I mean, like you said, I mean, that was Florida State's first win of the year, and those were tough to come by for them, especially in that late September, early October time frame. So 
would have been really nice. Again, another feather in the cap to beat a, a much more talented Florida State team if you're Wake Forest, but that was a bit of a missed opportunity. Um, Mike, looking into 2018, there are no coaching changes on the staff for Wake Forest. But my question for you is with Dave Clawson, how long is he for this Wake Forest job? Um, he's now had four coaching stints as a head coach in his career. That's between Fordham, Richmond, Bowling Green, and Wake Forest. Going into year five at Wake Forest, will tie Fordham and Bowling Green for his longest stints. Um, he's already kind of being sniffed around, you know, by a couple of higher level programs. But I, I guess I just don't know if I really look at him as a guy who's like the next big thing in coaching. And yet we've also seen some signs that he's done a really good job of this program. And especially, you know, what Wake Forest is historically, the types of things he's been able to accomplish really should be attracting some higher level programs. How long do you think Dave Clawson is going to be around here in Winston-Salem before he moves to another job? Uh, I think he moves on within the next two or three years. Uh, you mentioned the fact that he's kind of already been pursued or at least looked at by a couple higher profile programs. Tennessee was one of them after the Craig Schiano debacle, uh, the hire that wasn't for the volunteers. Uh, they ultimately went with Jeremy Pruitt, the defensive coordinator from Alabama. But, you know, I think hiring Dave Clawson there would have been a great hire. I'm not sure the fans would have liked it, but I think it would have been a really good hire. Um, I draw a parallel, Joey, and I, you know I'll see if you agree with this. I draw a parallel between Dave Clawson and Willie Taggart. Uh, Dave Clawson, obviously, you know the first Power Five job that he has is his Wake Forest job, and the first Power Five job that Willie Taggart had was at Oregon this past season, uh, before moving on to Florida State. And I, I liken the trajectory of Dave Clawson as a head coach to Willie Taggart, even though Willie Taggart is about five or six years younger. Uh, Dave Clawson is kind of taking the same path. Um, he, he's gone the FCS route. Uh, he's coached Bowling Green. Uh, and now he's moved on to Wake Forest. He's done a phenomenal job there. And it really makes you wonder if he's ready for that next big job. Um, at, you know, Wake Forest is in the ACC. They play in the Atlantic Division, the tougher competition, tougher the two divisions in the conference. And, and they just won eight games. They've had winning records the last two seasons, and they've been phenomenal now as far as you know the coaching staff using their system and tailoring it to the players that they have and not the other way around you're not always going to recruit the top talent at wake forest that's clear but i think it's a mark of a good coach when you're able to take the talent that you have on your roster and use your system to utilize the strengths of the players that you already have there you know recruiting is a tool but it's not the be all end all at schools like wake forest i think if you have a good coaching staff in there you can maximize the most of their abilities and i think that's what dave clausen's done i don't think he's long for the wake forest job because i think eventually a big job's going to open up and they're going to be really lucky to get dave clausen i think he's going to be a heck of a coach uh at a big time school sooner rather than later but for now i think wake forest is very lucky to have him and as long as he's there i think they're definitely going to be a competent team and a team that's going to be competitive in the Atlantic Division, as difficult as it may be. One of the things that SB Nation's Bill Conley talks about a lot of times is that having a successful football program is about three things. Uh, talent acquisition, recruiting, talent uh, development, coaching, and talent deployment, that's your scheme. It's very clear to me that Dave Clawson has talent development and talent deployment down 
the only thing is that he's being limited in by being a coach at Wake Forest is the talent acquisition piece of it. Um, with with the resources allotted to you and the size of the school and just the general amenities, I mean, you can go on and on. Wake Forest is not ever going to be like a top notch job, you know, for a head coach. There's a very very stark difference between being a head coach at Wake Forest and being the head coach at Georgia or Alabama or Florida or, you know, Florida State, Clemson, take your pick. Um, and so it, it's going to be until you get to one of those bigger time jobs, you're going to have a little bit of an easier time recruiting that I want to see what his true potential as a head coach is. But you're seeing really good signs of what he's doing with, you know, average to below average talent at Wake Forest. Uh, that give you real hope if he ever moves to a job, you know, where it is a little easier to acquire higher level talent. Um, curious to see what, what Dave Clawson ends up doing. But for now, this is one of the best things that's ever happened to the Wake Forest football program. Uh, Jim Grobe was real good for them for several years, but Dave Clawson has proved to be a, a magnificent hire. And, and however long he stays at Wake Forest, it's going to continue to be really good things for the uh, Demon Deacons program. Mike, looking at 2018 specifically, um, I, I'm trying to figure out this out-of-conference schedule. And, and really, let's just look at the September schedule. At Tulane, home against Towson, that's an FCS team, home against Boston College, home against Notre Dame, home against Rice. I think that's, I think that's at least, at worst, three and two. And I think you're hoping to maybe split Boston College and Notre Dame and – you know, giving giving Notre Dame, you know, a, 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 any, you know, decent shot at winning might be a little generous. But um, I think you're hoping for four and one there coming out of September. How reasonable is that? I think it's pretty reasonable um, to Lane and Towson, both winnable games. Um, I, I think the three and two mark is. I, I think that's I wouldn't say best case scenario. Um I think three and two might certainly be worst case scenario. I don't really see them going zero and five during this stretch or one and four even. I don't think Tulane and Towson are good enough to give Wake Forest a run. I think Wake should beat Rice, and I think they have an excellent chance against Boston College. You do get Notre Dame at home on the twenty second, uh, but look, Notre Dame is going to be loaded next year. It's just I don't see them winning that game. So I think the Deacons can get the Demon Deacons can get to four and one. I think three and two though, if you wanted to be on the safe side, I think that's to play. Five straight home games for what it's worth. Towson, Boston College, Notre Dame, Rice, Clemson, oh, Clemson uh, going into man. early October. Um, Mike, one of the things that concerns me about Wake Forest moving forward, so they're going to re be replacing John Walford. My problem with that, not only the fact that Walford uh, became significantly better in 2017 than he was in 2016, like, you know, having to replace him is, is going to be a bit of a chore, but to me, it's it's stacking that on top of the fact that coming out of 2016, Wake Forest had a really solid defense of Mike Elko. And then in the 2017 season, the first seven games of the year, that defense gave up as many points, if not more points, than the week before every single week. That defense degraded throughout the year. And I'm concerned that it's just not going to get any better going into 2018 if their defense doesn't become, you know, another pretty formidable unit, I question whether their offense is going to be able to keep up, you know, against a team like a Boston College that if you're not particularly good on defense, you know, 
you never know when they might just, you know, run wild on you with a D train. Um, so that's, that's a, a risk or a concern for me with Wake Forest in 2018 is can the offense recover enough to make up for what I expect to be a deficient defense? Um, but home games in November against Syracuse and Pitt and, and a road game in Thanksgiving weekend against Duke. I think they've got a chance, you know, again, to hit bowl eligibility at the very least, if not another seven or eight win season. I, I think this is a pretty a pretty forgiving schedule for what I would expect from Wake Forest. Uh, and I don't know if you would agree with that or not. I, I agree with you. Uh, I think your points, well, you know, the points well taken about the defense and their struggles this year without Mike Elko. Uh, the offense was great. A big reason why was John Wolford. He's departing due to graduation. Kendall Hinton has experience at quarterback. He has played in relief of John Wolford, and he started in front of John Wolford at times uh, throughout his career at Wake Forest. So that's only going to be to their benefit that he's got experience, real game experience, not mop-up duty. Uh, he's come in, and he's played well, and he's shown the coaching staff that he could even be the starter at times. So, you know, I, I think they'll be okay on offense. Obviously, they'll take a step back because I don't see Kendall Hinton putting up the numbers that John Wolford just put up, both as a passer. I, th I think he could do it as a runner, but maybe not as a passer. Even if Wake Forest goes three and two in the month of September, I think there's a great opportunity for them to still get to six wins. They have Syracuse at home. They have Pitt at home. Pitt's not going to be great next year. Syracuse, I think, is going to be about the same, maybe a little bit better. And then at Duke, I think I think that's a manageable stretch where you can still see six wins if you go three and two in September. I think what ultimately ends up happening is Wake Forest goes four and one in the month of September. I think they beat Boston College. I think they beat Rice, Towson, and Tulane. And then from there, you have an opportunity uh, in the latter half of your schedule. You see Notre Dame in September. I think that's a loss. You see Clemson and Florida State. Uh, in a two-week stretch in October, uh, separated by a bye week there, sandwiched in between. You're on the road at Louisville. Louisville's not going to be great next year. So that's a game that Wake Forest should absolutely be in. Uh, the one game that's in the back half of the schedule that I think is going to be really difficult for them to win is on the road at NC State. I think NC State's going to be pretty solid next year. I think that'll be a really tough game. But then again, Wake Forest is right in the game with them this year. So we'll see what happens. Um Obviously, Wake Forest beat NC State, and that was a huge win. Uh, does it happen that way next year on the road with NC State returning a ton of talent? I, I don't know. But I think Wake Forest can, long story short, Wake Forest could definitely get to six wins, I think. Uh, more likely, it's probably another seven win, maybe an eight win campaign, depending on their draw in a bowl game. But I think Wake Forest, despite what they're losing on offense and despite the deficiencies on defense, I still think the foundation of their roster is good enough for them to get to bowl eligibility and make some noise in the Atlantic next year as a team that is at least competitive in the division and not one of those teams that's easily walked all over by the better teams in the conference. I think so. I look back at those those last five games in their schedule, starting at you know the weekend before Halloween. They're at Louisville, home against Syracuse, at NC State, home against Pitt, and at Duke. And by the way, the NC State road game is on a Thursday night. Not pretty. I think over that stretch, Wake Forest is is fully equipped to go three and two. And if you go four and one in the outright, I mean that's that's a seven and five final record without even beating Clemson or Florida State or Notre Dame. Um, so I think they're in good shape. Um, it, it's going to be a question of how well they bounce back without John Walford at quarterback. Um, I, I think they've got the tools in place. Um, 
you know, they, they, they've got some dynamic young playmakers that are available and at their disposal. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, but I, I think it's shaping up to be another pretty solid 2018 campaign for Wake Forest. And uh, we'll see what the future holds beyond that for Dave Clawson and his staff. Uh, Mike, anything else before we hit, uh, go ahead and get out of here? I think I'm all set, man. Good. We should do that before the uh, Wi-Fi cuts out again because it's given us problems already in this recording. Uh, all right. We're going to get out of here and go uh, recap some more teams. In the meantime, you can reach us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel ACC, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Y'all can send us an email to the longest email address known to man. That is basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you to Andrew Parker, by the way, who sent us a couple of really good emails lately, and I promise that we will get to them. So if you uh, if you send us an email and you haven't heard about it yet, uh, you'll hear about it soon. So stay tuned. It's coming. It is, absolutely. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the Overcast app, and wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. Uh, and Mike, tell them where else they can find us on the social medias. Facebook.com slash basketball conference. Rate, review, find all of our podcasts there. Thanks for the latest uh, people to have gone on there and liked it. I don't have their names in front of me, but I've seen it. So thank mm-hmm. you to the, you people out there. Yeah, you people. You people. Thank- what do you mean, you people? I, hey, it's a good movie line. Um <laughs> uh, Thanks to you people who have gone out and liked it. Uh, to you people who have not gone out and liked us yet, please do so. Yeah, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Before we get ourselves in any trouble, Mike, let's go ahead and get out of here. Uh, we will talk again soon. Absolutely. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC. Go ACC.